Hey, good morning, Brookside. It is such a joy to be gathered in hundreds and hundreds of locations all over our city. People tuning in online in living rooms, bedrooms, kitchens, cars, places of work. We just want to welcome you. We are so glad to be gathered. You know, we know that the majority of the people listening this morning are listening from the Omaha metro area or the Elkhorn area. But we've also got people listening much further than that. We've got people listening this morning in Florida, over in Iowa, in New York, and all the way from Zambia. And so we want to welcome you. We are so glad that you have tuned in today, and we are anticipating God just to do, continue to do great things in our midst. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. And honestly, it's an absolute privilege uh, for us to be able to tune in and to be able to gather today online. You know, my prayer for us. And for some of you, this maybe is the very first time you've ever experienced church online. For others of you, we know maybe you got an invite today to church online, and this is the very first time that you've been exposed to Brookside. And so we want to welcome you. And my prayer this morning is this, and maybe it's a stronger prayer than I've prayed in a long time. It's that we would encounter Jesus together. It's that you and I, we would be able to, to walk out of the places where we are, that when we hit the, the end button, when we close the laptop or whatever it is, or the device, that we'd be able to say today, God, you met me. God, you spoke to me. God, you had a word for me that I needed to hear, and you, and you gave it to me. And God, it gave, gave me life, and it's going to actually propel me so well into the season to come. And so that's what we're looking forward to and anticipating for this morning, and and what I love to do even right now is just to kind of take a time out, hit the pause button, and for us just to ask God, because our God is so good, and he longs actually to speak to us. And so would you pray with me now, and let's just go in anticipation and say, God, would you speak to us? So pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we come from many, many different walks of life. God, we come to you this morning from different places, even in our faith journeys, and Lord, this morning we simply want to say this, God, in the midst of quite a lot going on in our world, we want to say, God, we need you. Jesus, we want to pray that you would speak to us. Jesus, there are so many voices that are speaking to us and giving us input. And God, we're going to pray, though, this morning, though, so specifically, God, would we be able to hear from you, not from me, the teacher, but God, would we be able to hear directly from you this morning? And so, Father, we trust you for that. We ask you for that. And, God, we anticipate, Lord, that because of what we will hear from you, we will be different. And so we give you this time. We pray now in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I was struck this week by Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Isn't it hard to be still right now? But what a great reminder. Be still and know that I am God. God, you know, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? I mean, I want you to just to think about the amount of change and the range of uh, emotions and the responses to those that have happened in just the last seven days. It has been so dramatic. And I want to speak this morning first to two groups who are watching, two groups that maybe that perhaps are experiencing a level of anxiety that is higher than most. The first group I want to speak to are those who are tuning in, who are immunocompromised. And you're in a place where you're really wondering, hey, am I going to be okay? I want to speak to a group this morning that you're in a high-risk category. And maybe for you, your, your level of anxiety is not only high, but it's, it's very real. It's very significant, and, and maybe even rightly so. I want you to know this, though, this morning. I want you to know that we're praying for you. 
I want you to know that you're on the minds of your church, that we're here for you, that we're thinking about you. We're pleading for, to God for you. We love you. I also want to speak directly this morning to the second group is this. I want to speak to the kids and the students who are watching and tuned in online today. And first of all, I just want to thank you. Thanks for coming to church today. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Nobody was barking at you to hurry up and get ready, you know? It's kind of nice. You just kind of strolled in, right? But let's think about this for a second. Many of your, most of your, maybe all of you now, your schools have been closed. You were in the middle of a sports season. You were working very hard. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, boom, canceled. It's over. For others of you, you, had, you were looking forward to, you were preparing for a concert and, and you were ready to go, and now that's been indefinitely postponed. And I just want to say to you this morning from your church, we're thinking about you. We care about you. Your church is for you. But even more specifically and even much more actually important than that, I want you to hear this morning that you have a God, you have a heavenly Father that sees you, that knows you. And I love this. He's the God of peace. And so for you as a student or a child, if you feel some anxiety or some questions or you're wondering what's all the hoopla about, I just want you to hear this this morning. You have a God of peace that loves you. He is for you. And he is incredibly interested in you. Oh, he loves you dearly. What a week it's been. You know, I talked to different people this week and and from different sectors of life. and, And all of them continued to say kind of the same thing. Wow, we're charting new ground, aren't we? But isn't it true it's not new, actually, and it's not unprecedented, and it's actually not a surprise to God at all. But to the majority of society, we actually are in very uncharted waters. We're in a very unique and uncertain time. Since the coronavirus began making headlines more and more on a regular basis about two months ago, and then especially here in the United States in the last 14 days, there have been responses that have been all over the map. There have been some people that have responded with fear. There are others that have been responding with a whole lot of anxiety, others with a heavy heart. It's a lot of worry. There have been some people that have been responding with absolute frenzy and panic, and they now have enough ramen noodles and toilet paper for the entire city. And we'll come to your house in a bit. But then there are other people that they've responded with wisdom. There are people that have responded in prayer. There are people that have responded with discernment and with planning. And if there's one question that I think would be so helpful for us to wrestle with this morning is this. In light of who we are in Christ, in light of who we are as a people of God, how should we respond? You know, one of the things that I love is that while we don't have control over the things that happen to us, we can't dictate them, we do have control over the the ways that we respond. And many of you are watching your followers of Jesus Christ, your people of faith, and others of you who are watching, you're wondering, how are Christians going to respond? How is my friend who, who is a person of faith, what does this mean for them? How are they going to respond? Or maybe even more importantly, how does the scriptures inform and lead and guide? And how does the scriptures allow me to understand, okay, how do I respond as a person of faith? I talked to people this week, particularly yesterday, that had a whole lot of things on their mind. Some of them were worried about their health or the health of their parents or their children. Others were worried about jobs or businesses or companies or finances or taking care of their kids while needing to get to work. 
Others were wondering, hey, how is this going to impact my family? How is this going to impact my friendships? But they all, young and old, they shared this one thing in common. We all do. We all woke up this morning and we had to share this in common. We share one, the same reality, but we also share the same question. How will I respond? How will I respond? And I'm so thankful that we have a God who, when, and maybe even perhaps even more significantly, when things are hard, when life actually throws us a curveball or two, I'm so thankful that God leads us so well in how we should respond. You know, right now we have government officials that are telling us well how to respond. We have experts in the health field that are telling us well how to respond. But this morning, I want us to hear from the unique voice of God, the critical voice of God. How do you respond? You know, I was scheduled not to teach this weekend. But yesterday, as we moved all of our services online, I felt this nudge that this morning we needed to answer that question. And so I wrote that message around that. And I really believe it's so important to everybody that we understand how do we respond. We can't control circumstances, but we can lead well. And we can control our response. So what does it mean for us to respond well? We're in the middle of a series right now called Greater Than. And what we're doing is this. I love this series. We're exploring all these ways that couldn't come at a better time We're talking about how God is greater than our circumstances. We're talking about how God is greater than our setbacks. We're talking about how God is greater than any virus that could ever come about. We're talking about all the ways that when we look at our life, we see, okay, we can stand back with such confidence because we know our God is greater than. And so my goal this morning is very simply this. I want to give you seven responses I want to give you seven responses that are backed by promises. This is important, that are backed by promises straight out of God's word. You might ask me the question, well, why seven? What's so? Is there something significant about seven? Why not ten? Now, I'll just be honest with you. I didn't have that much time. I could only get, I only had time for seven, right? So here we go. Here we go. We're going to look at seven of these, and my prayer is this. And here's what I want you to do as you listen. I want you to pick just one. Maybe for you, and I've been praying along these lines, that one of these for you would become a declaration in the coming days. That one of these statements or one of these passages you would look at and you would be able to go back to it and you would say, in this time, I declare that to be true. And I declare it will mark me. I declare that my response will be characterized by that. So here we go. We can't control outcomes, but we can control our response. I can respond. Here we go. Number one. I can choose trust over anxiety. Is anyone here anxious? Are you anxious? When I got home on Thursday night, after a day like many of yours, putting out fires, trying to get ahead of the game, consumed with a lot of things that are honestly completely out of my control. But when I got home, I was exhausted on the one hand, but at the soul level, you would appear deep into my soul and the deepest part of my emotions, I was anxious. I was worried about things in the future. I was actually becoming scared about the things that I didn't know. And that night as I sat down with our youngest and we tried to read a Bible story to him most nights and, and I just happened to flip open to the story in his little Jesus storybook Bible. I, I flipped open to the story straight out of Matthew chapter 6. 
And as I flipped there and we began to read and I began to realize what the story was about, Christina walked by and I just said to her as she passed by, I said, you'll never believe what passage we just happened to stumble on. But I want to share this with you, church, because it speaks so well to us this morning. Because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking very intentionally. He's speaking to a group of people who are anxious and worried. He's speaking to a group of people that are looking into the future and they don't know what's coming and it bothers them. He's speaking to a group of people that they don't know what's around the next corner. And as a result of their uncertainty, it's leading them to a place of anxiety and fear. And so Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Let God's word speak to you this morning. He says, therefore, Jesus speaking, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. And then he asks the question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? He's just saying it straight, isn't he? Jesus is saying, you know where your worry will take you? It will take you nowhere good. It will actually hurt you. If you're a person of anxiety, it will lead you to have health issues, he's saying. It will not help your well-being. Verse 28. And then he says, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the the flowers of the field, they, they do not labor or spin Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Think about what he's saying there. I tell you, not even Solomon was dressed like one of these. He's saying, creation is so big and so beautiful, and I'm in charge of that, and so let me give you perspective. Yesterday, I got a picture from a gal in our church, and there's this picture of her son's college campus in Phoenix, Arizona, and over the, the campus was this beautiful rainbow. And she said, what a reminder this is to me. Everything is going to be okay. Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, makes the rainbows, which is here today and, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans, they run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, above all, if you will just trust me, then the rest will, it'll be okay. You keep your eyes on me. And then he says, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And everybody at every location said, amen to that, right? But don't miss this. How do you go from anxiety to trust? Everybody, it's a focus challenge. Where is your attention? It's a where am I looking challenge. Jesus says this, I don't want you, church. Out of my love for you, I'm giving you my word, and I'm telling you in my word, my letter to you, my, my words to you that I hope will speak life and encouragement to, into you. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to worry about your life. I want you, though, to focus on me. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said it this way. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, this is beautiful. He says, I will give you rest. 
Corey Tenboom put it this way. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Point number one again. Here it is. I can choose trust over anxiety. Number two, let's keep moving. I can choose, number two is this. I can choose faith over fear. I was out of town most of this past week, and I was meeting with a group of pastors that I've been meeting with about twice a year for the last three years. They're from all over the country, and and it was so great to be with them and to process all of these things with them and in their context. But as I was in the airport heading home, I had a very long wait for the plane, and And so I was sitting there and I was journaling, and what I was journaling, though, was this. I was journaling some declarations. I was anticipating, okay, wow, wow, we're about to head into a a, a potentially a very challenging season. We don't know the end date on it. It could be quite a while. And so I was writing out some declarations. I was writing out, these are some things that I hope will mark me. By the end of this, I want to have chosen these things well. And the first one was this. I said, I will choose to do what it takes for my faith to grow. In this season, I made a declaration. I will choose, and it's a choice, because we're so busy, we're more distracted than ever, I think. But I will choose in this season to do what it takes to make my faith grow. Because it's true, isn't it? In the midst of maybe even the most trying times, I think it even becomes more true that either we run in one of two directions. When life throws curveballs, typically people either go further from God or they run to God. And my encouragement to you, because I know so many of your stories, and your stories lots of times have a faith moment in the midst of a trial. Like life was just humming along, and all of a sudden, boom, you hit a brick wall. And in that brick wall, God softened your heart. And as a result of him softening your heart, you had a defining faith moment in your life, and it's changed you forevermore. That can happen in this season. It would be the greatest thing that could happen to you in this season. Choosing faith over fear. It's saying, God, you are bigger than this. Choosing faith over fear is saying this, God, I do believe the promises of Scripture. My best days are ahead. And Lord, I do believe that I will be a person that is faith-filled and not fear-consumed. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says this, cling to this church, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Wrestle with what that means, a sound mind, so important, not a spirit of fear. You ever make a paper chain when you were growing up, you know what I'm talking about? Christmas is coming, and so you get out some construction paper that's green and uh, green and red, and you make these little strips, and then you glue them, and then you you know you make a long paper chain, and and as the days of Christmas approach, every day you rip one off. Do that as a child. I actually did a really long one when Christine and I were approaching our wedding. I could not wait. I just needed to have some things in my life just to slow me down a little bit. I couldn't wait to be married. Everybody, I'm making a paper chain this weekend. It's going to be 90 days long. And my paper chain is all about this. For the next 90 days, every day, I'm going to rip off a link. And I'm going to say to myself, I'm making a declaration. And my declaration is this. I'm leading myself. Here it is. Faith is greater than fear. 
And so every day when I rip that off for these 90 days coming up, faith is greater than fear. God, I choose you. God, you are bigger. God, you are stronger. God, you love me enough that my faith is actually bigger, and it can be bigger than my fear. Today, God, I choose to worship the God of immeasurably more. The God of immeasurably more. Faith is greater than fear. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, those with a sound mind, because they trust in you. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. When you choose to put your faith somewhere, everybody, please, if you're online today and you're wondering about the claims of Jesus Christ, you're going to put your faith somewhere, but put it in the rock eternal. Put it in the rock eternal. You have a heavenly father that is crazy about you, and he is solid. He is the rock eternal. Number three, here it is. I can choose. Again, I can't dictate what happens to me, but by God's grace, I get to respond. I can choose prayer over panic. Today has been declared the national day of prayer, a national day of prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says it this way. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Think about that. That is a bold statement. And it's even bolder, I think, because the Apostle Paul is writing to the, to the Philippians and he's writing to a group of people that are actually being persecuted for their faith. And so it's a huge statement that he's making. Hey, don't be anxious about anything. But then he says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, do this. Present your request to God. And then verse 7, everybody cling to this again I hope this morning we cling to God's word. Look at verse 7. It says this, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Here it is. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, I want to encourage us. During this season, I want to more than encourage us, actually. I want to challenge us. Would you be a people of prayer? You know, we just came out of a a series on prayer. It was powerful. God used it in our church. It was a defining time for us. I, I really believe that. Hearing so many of you tell stories about how you began to pray for the first time. You have a habit in your life. Many of you, you picked a time and you picked a place. And I just want to encourage you, number one, go back and revisit that series. But number two, here's the challenge. Every single day I'm asking us, church, to do this. Would you get on your knees and would you say the Lord's Prayer? So now, from now on until we say it's over, we're good, would you get on your knees and would you say the Lord's Prayer? Would you ask for God's power? Would you pray these words straight out of Matthew chapter 6? This is where you can find it. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Every day, church, would you get on your knees? Maybe when you start the day, maybe after you end the day, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's perspective. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's trust. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. That's dependence. God, we need you. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts. God, I want to be right with you. As we also forgive our debtors. God, I'll be a forgiving, loving person. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, would you protect me today? Every day, church, 
would you and I be a people of prayer? In addition to that, I'm asking you today, would you pray hard for our government officials? Would you pray hard for the people, many in our church in the medical field? Let's pray them up. Let's pray for first responders. Let's pray for people whose lives are flipped upside down because they are trying to respond and they are trying to lead well. Let's pray our hearts out for them. I believe that the more that you and I stop and pray, the less prone we will be to panic. I also believe this, the more that you and I pray, the more that panicking will seem very unwise. Because when we go to God in prayer, our perspective is going to be shaped in such a great way We're going to be reminded, okay, I've got a God who loves me, and he created this and that, and I can see his beauty over here, and so why would I worry about this? No, 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 I can trust my God. I'm going to choose prayer over panic. Number four, I can choose community over isolation. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 put it this way. It says, and let us consider how we might Spur, think about that. We make spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as, the, as you see the day approaching. Everybody, though we are not meeting in our buildings, the opportunities to connect are ever before us. We can't wait till we're back together. We're not sure how long it's going to be, but honestly, we can't wait till we can gather again. But in the meantime, I just want to encourage you. You can't stop a church from being a church, so gather. I want to encourage you. Get on a Zoom call. I want to encourage you. Stay connected. This church is much bigger than brick and mortar. We can stay connected. We must stay connected. Pick up the phone. If your small group can meet, meet. Download the app today. Stay connected. Go on that app and click on the prayer tab. Let us know. How can we pray for you? We long to pray for you. And there's going to be lots of creative waves in the coming weeks that you're going to hear about how you can stay vitally connected to the people of God because it's so important. Everybody, do not choose isolation. It's not a good idea. Instead, choose community. Pursue it. Number five. I can choose opportunity over catastrophe. You know, how you and I lead our minds in these days is incredibly important. It actually determines so much for us. You and I are going to have the opportunity each and every day to think opportunity or catastrophe. And it's going to mark us. It's going to change the way things really go in a lot of ways. For many of you, the rhythms of your life have been dramatically disrupted. And instead of seeing things as just challenges, I want to encourage you this morning to see them actually as great opportunities. Everybody, what if your kids, in all of their spare time now, what if your kids were able to see you model your faith like never before? Oh, what if you used your time not simply just to binge watch on Netflix, uh, but what if you used your time and you seized it? And you said, you know what, we've got opportunities all over the place. We can do good. And you're going to be hearing more about opportunities to do good. A friend sent me this list that he came up with. He was anticipating, we're going to have some downtime. We've got to figure this out. Or some people are going to go crazy up in the air, right? 
And so he sent me this list, and he said, he just kind of went through, one, we're going to read God's word, we're going to write some thank you notes, we're going to take on this project, we're going to look at our neighbors, and we're going to do this over there. And, and he's just being very intentional. And why is he doing that? Because, again, he's not looking at catastrophe, he's looking at opportunity. These can be great days, actually. What if you and I took this prime opportunity and we loved our neighbors like we never have before? Everybody, imagine what God could do through his church in this season. Imagine it. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, while the people are in this period of time where they're in exile, Jeremiah is writing to them, and, and they're in the midst of a time that undoubtedly would have fit into this category called catastrophe. Life was not going well. It was very hard. And Jeremiah's bottom line, like his declaration to them. If you could sum it all up, it would be this. He's saying, you are here for the good of the city. I don't want you just huddling down. You're here for the good of the city. So he says this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. In other words, keep going. Don't hit pause on life. Verse 7, also, here it is, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for it. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Everybody, I think we've got to live like in three months. Three months is actually going to happen. Everybody, I think we've got to live like it's going to be okay. I think we've got to live like my best days are ahead. I think we've got to live with, okay, this is going to happen, and I'm just going to keep driving, and I'm going to keep moving forward. I will not be prone to think catastrophe, catastrophe, catastrophe. No, 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 no. I will use this time, and I will think strategically. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how can I lead well? In all of the realms where God puts you in, I, how can we think opportunity? In other words, everybody, bloom where you planted. We're all planted in this. The question is, will we bloom? Will people look at us and go, that's beautiful. They maxed that season out. They were intentional. They thought about this. That church, that church didn't take a break. No, 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 no. That church seized an opportunity for the gospel to be known. Number six, I can choose generosity over scarcity. A scarcity mindset basically says this, you know this, a scarcity mindset says, me, myself, I, I, I got to hoard, I got I to gotta just think about myself, I got to take care of my own needs, and, and I get consumed with that. Now, it is responsible to take good care of your household. Scriptures encourage that. But everybody, I want to also encourage us this morning what the scriptures also encourage us to do, and that's for Christians to be a people of generosity. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing the book of Philippians, he's commending the, the church in Philippi because they're demonstrating generosity. They're a group of people that he's commending them because as they've gone through their life, they've jumped right into the stream, into the flow of what God is doing, and they've done it out of a, a heart of generosity. 
And God sees that. And so in verse 19 of chapter 4, it says this, and my, and, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He's affirming them. God's going to meet all your needs. Philippian church, you've done great. Keep being generous. Everybody, we are not gathering in person at our locations, and we are not sure how long this will last. You can only imagine how this impacts a local church. Yet, we are just as passionate about our mission, and there's going to be more and more and more opportunity than ever for the gospel to go forward, for the church to actually thrive during this time. And so everybody, I want to encourage you, if you aren't a part of giving generously to your local church, if Brookside is your home church, I want to ask you, are you giving back the things that God has entrusted to you? And the reason I say this is because it's not just about dollars and cents. More importantly, everybody, if you get that part of your life on board when you realize, God, you've entrusted me with so much, I will be generous with what I have, the greater win, it is not dollars. You know what it is? It's your heart, straight from God's word. And so I want to encourage you, this could actually be the greatest step of faith you take during this season. Let it shape your heart. And so I'm asking you this morning, would you become an online reoccurring giver if you are currently not? Because here's our reality. We are going to have more opportunities than ever for the church to flourish. Everybody, I really believe this just because knowing the kind of church you are, we're going to look back over this season. And when this virus scare is over, when it's in the rearview mirror, I believe we're going to look back and we're also going to be able to see we took new ground during this season. We didn't just act on our heels. No, we move forward because the gospel and the city desperately needs us to. And it's a beautiful thing. Everybody, I really believe this. When life is most challenging, the church can be at its very, very best. The church is the hope of the world because of the message that it stewards. Last one. I can choose gratitude over despair. Again, I just hope that one of these speaks to you this morning. I can choose gratitude over despair. Have you ever noticed that even in the midst of some of the most challenging times, there are certain people that continue to choose gratitude? I think they're kind of annoying, to be honest with you sometimes. You know, you're, you're like, man, this just stinks, and well, this stinks too, and everybody just thinks it stinks. And, and then you got this one person that's like, oh, I just saw, and they just talk about how good it is and how they just saw an opportunity. And then you're like, man, how did you do that? You know how they did it? They chose gratitude in the midst of despair. They chose gratitude over despair. They said, you know what, I could be a person that just kind of woe is me, woe is us, worry, worry, worry. But then there's other people, and I love this about them. They choose gratitude, and you have to choose it. You have to think about it. You have to claim it, I believe. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Isn't that powerful? It is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 say this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Here it is, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will that we pray continually and that we give thanks. Think about that. That's in God's will. God is saying, this is who I want you to be. I want you to choose gratitude over despair. And the reason I believe that that's in the scriptures is because when you and I choose gratitude over despair, you know what it does for us? It changes things. It changes perspective. It changes outlook. It changes the things that we lean into. I love the story from Luke chapter 17 of the, these 10 lepers. Jesus tells this story about them. He heals them, these 10 men. They had an utter death sentence. They're on the brink of dying. They're living in complete misery. They have leprosy. If you're not sure what leprosy is, look up what leprosy looks like. That's what they had. But their response to their healing varied. And so Jesus heals all of them, but their response varied. And he says this in verse 15. He says, one of them... When he saw that he was healed, he actually came back and he praised God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan and that was significant. Verse 17, and Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? I could have sworn I healed ten people. We're not, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except the foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Another thing that I'm encouraging, actually, and challenging myself to do during this season, during the foreseeable future here, here it is. Please join me on these two things. One, what are we going to do? We're going to pray daily. We're going to get on our knees. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Number two, I challenge you to do this. Whether it's at the start of your day or at the end of your day or you're an overachiever, do it at both. Would you come up with a list of 10 things that you're thankful for? 10 things. I choose gratitude. I laid in bed last night. I chose 10 things. And you know what? When I got to 10, they just kept coming. And you know what that does? It changes us. It's God's will that you and I be thankful. Parents, you can do this with your kids. Ask them the question, hey, what are we thankful for today? Let's go ahead and list some things off. You know, we've talked this morning about the different choices that we can make based on the promises of God. Church, I just want to ask you this. How will you respond? Whether you're a parent, or maybe you're a grandparent, or maybe you're a business leader, or maybe you're an employee, maybe for you you're facing so much worry and anxiety, or maybe you're not yet. But regardless, wherever you're at, how will you respond? I've been thinking about our own kids. They will likely never see myself and Christina experience something of this magnitude again in our lifetime. I mean, think about this. This is an opportunity for us as parents to model to them how will we trust in God. In a time of unprecedented uncertainty, church, will we choose God? 
Church, will we be the kind of people that we will make a declaration? I will choose trust. I will choose prayer. I will choose community. I will choose opportunity. I will choose gratitude. I will choose generosity. Church, will we declare these things? Because the promises of God's word, and I hope that you've heard this so well this morning, you have a God that loves you so incredibly much that he's saying this to us this morning. You have lots of advice on how to respond. But the most important advice that we could possibly take would be to take God's word and to say, okay, God, in the midst of it all, I can't determine what comes my way, but I surely can determine how I respond. And so, Lord, we want to choose above anything else. Church, I want us to say it this morning. Wherever you are, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, my hope is not found in my circumstances. Jesus, my hope is only in you. So let's pray together that that would be true. Pray with me now. Lord, we come to you, and first we want to say, Father, thank you for your word. God, you are so good to us. God, I think even some of the most significant ways that you speak to us are in times like this. Lord, you speak so well to us in times of trial. And so, Lord, we want to say to you this morning, God, we are going to be the kind of people that we choose to trust. God, we're going to be the kind of people that we choose to be generous. God, we're going to be the kind of people, Lord, that we're not going to be fearful. We're not going to choose anxiety. God, we're going to be the kind of people that we don't choose to do life alone in isolation, but no, 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 we pursue community. We do whatever it takes to live in community. And so right now, I want you to think about these areas, and I want you just to ask yourself the question, which one of them applies to you? Is it trust over anxiety? Is it faith over fear? This morning, do you need to choose prayer over panic? Do you need to choose community over isolation? Do you need to choose this morning not to see catastrophe, but maybe even you declare this right now, Lord, I choose to see opportunity. Or maybe for you it's that last one, Lord, I choose gratitude over despair. Heavenly Father, we make a choice today. We choose to respond And we want to respond in ways that honor you because, God, you are our God. And we declare this morning, God, it's your name and it's your renown that is the desire of this church's heart. We want to make you great. And so, God, might we respond in ways that are honoring to you. We pray in the good name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.